So you need physics, chemistry, engineering, biology, psychology, and you know all these other sciences. And I think you have to integrate it all. So you just see the product at the end of it, but there's so much interrelated science involved in that. So that's what really excites me about the food science area. Welcome to a new episode of Shot of Science, a podcast series by Annual Reviews, where we ask some of the world's top scientists what they're thinking about right now. This is your host, Anna Rasquet-Paz. I'm the engagement editor here at Annual Reviews, and today our president and editor-in-chief, Richard Gallagher, is in Washington, D.C., talking to Julian McClemens of the University of Massachusetts, Amherst, about how the food industry can innovate for a more sustainable future. Hi, this is Richard Gallagher, Editor-in-Chief of Annual Reviews, and I'm in Washington, D.C., talking with Julian McClements, Professor in the Department of Food Science at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Julian is co-editor of the Annual Review of Food Science and Technology and the author of a newly published book, Future Foods, How Modern Science is Transforming the Way We Eat. Hello, Julian. Hi. Can you tell us one thing that's exciting you in food science at the moment? I think there's loads and loads of things that are exciting me in food science at the moment. I was just finishing that book. I was just, you know, amazed at how, how, how much extraordinary work was going on in so many different areas. But I think probably the most important one is, uh, you know, moving towards more, less um, animal-based foods. And, you know, that could be plant-based foods, insect-based foods, uh, meat grown in, in a, a test tube. Um, and I think, you know, there's already products on the market there and I think they're having a big impact on sustainability and you know, environmental health of the planet and also the health of, of people. So when you look across this broad range of um, new technologies, are they linked together or is it a coincidence that a number of things have developed at, at the same time? Um, yeah, I, mean, I think they're probably linked around the same problem, you know, and the problem is environmental issues and sustainability. So I think that's what's um, driving a lot of the research in this area. Uh, and I think they're linked together by the science behind them. I think for all, all of these different things, you need the understanding of like food architecture. It's like, how do you actually design food from the bottom up, from the like molecular level and the nanoscale level to create specific structures in the foods that make them look the way they do, taste the way they do, and behave in your, in your mouth and in your body the way they do. Which um, particular advances have you tried and what has been your reaction to them? Uh, I mean, I think the most successful one is the Impossible Burger um, from Impossible Foods. And we have a, a local um, uh, restaurant in our, in our small town in New England where they serve the Impossible Burger. And I tried that and it's, you know, it's a really fantastic mimic of um, you know, a real meat burger. And I think there's a lot of science that's gone behind that. They've, they've spent a lot of time understanding what makes it look the way it does, what makes it feel the way it does in your mouth, um, what makes it uh, you know, taste the way it does, you know, the different flavor molecules in there. So I think it's a real example of using food science to, to really create a very, very complicated product, but to do it uh, economically and uh, to make something that people actually want to eat. What are the different components of food science that go into creating something that's a satisfying um, meat replacement, for instance? I mean, that's one of the beauties of working in the food science area. I think it, is, it goes right from the molecular level to psychology and, and uh, social science. So I think, you know, you need to understand the physics and chemistry of how to put these foods together. Then you need to understand, like, the sensory science of how it actually behaves in your mouth and, and the emotional aspects. Then you've got to understand how it gets broken down in your body. 
and you know what nutrients are in there, what effect they have on you, how satiating are they? Um, you know, does it have the right health aspects? Can you do it economically? Uh, so you need engineering behind that. So you need physics, chemistry, engineering, biology, psychology, and you know all these other sciences. And I think you have to integrate it all. So you just see the product at the end of it, but there's so much interrelated science involved in that. So that's what really excites me about the food science area. Do you think that um, burgers, if I can mix metaphors, are the low-hanging fruit of uh, um, substitute meats or, or alternative alternatives to meat and would be more difficult to reproduce cuts of meat or fish or something like that? Yeah, definitely. I think you've got to start somewhere and I think they've definitely started the one that's the easiest to do in terms of uh, texture and making it. But yeah, if you want to make a steak or you know, a nice salmon fillet or something, that's going to be completely different. But you know, I think what's really important is you have to make something people want to eat and can afford to eat. And then I think we also have to prove that it is actually sustainable and that it is healthy for you. I think you know when we had like reduced fat foods, you know they often replaced it with you know sugar or starch, and that was probably less healthy for you than the um, you know the alternative. So I think we have to make sure that these new plant-based foods and other based foods are you know healthy and nutritious and, and, and sustainable. And so we need to have some way of proving that. So doing like life cycle assessments and um, you know nutritional assessments of what of what's in them is important. And presumably the same in um, dairy replacements. Uh, are, is is that at the same? Well, I guess you can see lots of alternatives to milk and other types of dairy products on the market. Are they as um, nutritionally important as dairy products themselves? Yeah, I think we've done a lot of work in that area is trying to find, you know, different types of um, alternatives to, like plant-based alternatives to dairy milk. And, uh, you know, if you go in the supermarket, you can pick up, um, you know, like a soy milk or an almond milk, and they can vary in calories from like 30 calories per serving to 200 calories per serving. So again, just because it's plant-based doesn't mean it's, it's healthy for you. I mean, I think I read somewhere that, you know, one of the most sustainable, inexpensive plant-based foods was sugar. You know, and it's not something we want to be encouraging people more to eat, you know, even though it might be environmentally friendly and sustainable. So I think it's getting that balance between you know, nutrition, um, sustainability and affordability is really important. We'll be right back. What is known? What isn't known? Knowable Magazine, the award-winning journalistic publication from Annual Reviews, seeks to make that knowledge accessible to all. Knowable reports on the current state of play across a wide variety of fields, from agriculture to high-energy physics, biochemistry to water security, the origins of the universe to psychology. Every piece is deeply reported, fact-checked, and free to read and to republish. To stay in the know, head to knowablemagazine.org newsletter and sign up for the free Sunday newsletter today. And we're back. Next, Richard asks Dr. McClements how moving away from meat consumption affects livestock farmers. Listen up. Am I right in thinking that you're vegetarian? That's right, yeah. Uh, but still you like Impossible Burger, even though it's uh, it replicates meat, so you, you're not a vegetarian for taste reasons? Uh, no, not really. I think it was my uh, my daughter went vegan. So I think just in, uh, in order to make it easier in the house, we all went vegetarian and then we sort of grew into it. 
Uh, and then, you know, I think you rationalise why you did it. It's like, you know, it's good for the environment, it's good for your body, so, yeah. Presumably there's some studies on um, the impact that moving away from meat consumption will have on farmers, for instance, that are that are livestock uh, farmers rather than arable farmers. Is that something you've looked into at all? I think there's been a lot of major studies in this area about you know switching from a, a meat-based diet, and I think it will have to really change you know agriculture and, and what we use the land for. So I think it, it is going to really affect farmers. And then, but I think further down the the um, distribution chain, like when you get to the factories and things, you could probably still keep the same factories and ideally the same equipment, but it's just instead of having cows coming into them, you've got cereals coming in or pea proteins or something. But you know, if if we do it right, when we can. Be sustainable in the factories as well. Use use the same equipment, processing production lines, and that's why some of the big companies like Memphis Meat, who is uh, you know a big one of the major meat producers in America, is also getting into this um, area. Uh, I think they're they're investing heavily in the in the cultured meat, you know, sort of growing it in the test tube. Do you think that it will have an impact on the kind of locovore movement where? You know, we get cheeses from within 30 miles of where we live. Will there be that same variety and same appeal of uh, local produce when it's not when it's sort of produced artificially? Um, I mean, I suppose we don't all live near like a big field of peas or corn or stuff like that. So, it's, yeah, in that respect, but I read an interesting article about having these uh, instead of having local breweries, you would have like um, carneries. So where you would actually ferment meat and you would grow it in these uh, big uh, fermentation vats and then you would have your local meat produced. Uh, so instead of going to the local local brewery, you'd go to the local you know carnery. So you know potentially you could you could have you could grow it locally, but whether people would you know like that or not, I don't know. Right. To what extent are um, cultured animal cells contributing to this um, these new types of food rather than um, uh, manipulating plant components to make them seem more like meat. From what I've heard is, you know, there's a lot of companies now who are working in this area, and and some of them seem to be very close to actually producing commercialised products. But uh, s- someone was saying like, you know, it's always five years away, and then next year it'll be five years away. <laughs> but I think the companies like uh, Just Foods in in um, California, they seem to have already made some sort of chicken nuggets. You know, there's a really nice video they have online where they've got this chicken called Ian who's running around and they've taken a feather from this chicken and, and made it into nuggets and the people from the company are eating the nuggets while Ian is running around the feet, which I think is really cool. But then, you know, you could take it further. It's like, you know, would you eat um, like a, a star? You could have the Tom Brady burger, take some of the cells and grow it up. Or you could even eat yourself, you know, <laughs> take a few cells from yourself and you, I could have the Julian McClemens burger. <laughs> So. All right, that's getting a bit weird. Um, well, maybe in the long term, that's what we'll be looking at. It's uh, it's fascinating to think about it. Yeah, definitely. Well, Julian, thanks very much for yeah. talking to me. Cheers for inviting me. This was Shot of Science. Join us next time for a conversation with Dietram Shafila about the science of science communication. This conversation was hosted and produced by Richard Gallagher and me, Anna Rasquat Paz. Annual Reviews is a nonprofit publisher dedicated to synthesizing and integrating knowledge for the progress of science and the benefit of society. Thank you again to Julian McClemens of the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Music today by Otis McDonald and Josh Lippi 
and the overtimers.